Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of The Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. If this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you for joining the ride. If this isn't your first time listening, thank you for continuing to go on this journey with me as we explore the world of professional wrestling together. So of course, as usual, I got your news and gossip-ish and in my wrestling fan story time, I'm going to tell you about an experience I had with a fan involving an idea that I had um, called the Rap and Wrestle Era and how that um ties into me fighting for and giving visibility to black female voices in terms of wrestling and wrestling fandom and i've got your weekly recap um with everything that happened on raw with their legends night nxt new year's evil and smackdown so sit back relax and enjoy the vibe this is the hardy wrestling podcast Okay, so we're going to start with our news and gossip-ish, and we're going to start with um, Daniel Bryan wanting NXT talent on SmackDown. So since Daniel Bryan is um, pulling double duty as a creative um, person behind the scenes on SmackDown and as a WWE superstar, he wants more um, superstars on SmackDown, including call-ups for NXT. So according to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, He's called um, for SmackDown to call up NXT stars in order to keep things interesting. So considering he's sort of been involved in programs with Big E, Chad Gable, and Otis on screen, um, he's sort of wanting for new things to happen. So it's been reported that there were plans in place last week to possibly call up Damian Priest and pair him with Kevin Owens in his feud against... um, Universal Champion Roman Reigns and Jey Uso, but that didn't happen because, of course, now Kevin Owens is hurt. But Damian Priest could still be coming up to the main roster since now he's because since now he's lost to um, Karrion Cross on NXT. So there's probably we won't necessarily say there's nothing more for him to do on NXT, but at the same time, you know, if he got called up to the main roster, it wouldn't necessarily hurt either. And also a potential um, call-up is um, Rhea Ripley because she actually just wrestled a heck of a last woman standing match against Raquel Gonzalez in which she came up short in in New Year's Evil. But she's been champion. She's had multiple feuds with all of the best of NXT's women and even with Charlotte Flair for the NXT Women's title. So I'm assuming that maybe she'll be participating in the Royal Rumble. That is, if she, you know, says that she will, if she declares herself in the Royal Rumble, like a lot of, like some of the women already have, or it might just be a surprise thing. Who knows? But I feel like if any of those women, you know, or men from NXT were to come up to SmackDown, it would be the better show to come to because it seems like Raw has been on the struggle bus a whole lot lately and smackdown just seems like the best show for a new newer stars to kind of have those eyes on them especially on a major network like fox so we'll be on the lookout for that also wwe um is rumored to be pursuing um jay white from um new japan pro wrestling so he had an impressive performance um at wrestle kingdom this past week um against Kota Ibushi in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom 15 for the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships. And even though he lost, the match was a classic um, that lasted for 48 minutes. So 
His New Japan Pro Wrestling contract is set to expire this month, and WWE is supposedly making a strong play for him. But it was noted that his chances of leaving New Japan are 50-50. And they stated that he's just 28 years old, and he's from New Zealand, and he's done a lot of things. He's wrestled... Um, at the Tokyo Dome, he's wrestled um, and held the IWGP Heavyweight, Intercontinental, and United States Championships one time each. So a lot of people have been speculating on Twitter that if he was going to go to WWE, then maybe he would be a surprise entrant in the Men's Royal Rumble match that's coming up. So that would be really cool because, you know, it would be a cool surprise, kind of like how AJ Styles had his surprise and hit everybody with the I'm phenomenal and then popped up out of nowhere. Um... So that would be really cool if that happened. So let's just be on the lookout for that. But, you know, this is just a rumor. Nothing's truly been confirmed, confirmed, but we'll see. Also in the news, we had Cardi B, the amazing rapper, um, interacting with fans um, on Twitter this past Monday for Legends Night. So this part of the news and gossip is just going to be centered um, on rappers and wrestling you know doing a lot of cool things this week so we're gonna start with cardi b first so during legends night tori wilson who is um an icon in terms of the women's division in wrestling was playing games with angel garza who was flirting with her and she said that you know they were gonna have a party backstage and that cardi b was back there and he literally was looking for her to give a rose to her but then as it turns out it was the boogeyman who came out of nowhere and then he ran away so cardi didn't know she has a, a strong presence on twitter so nobody knew like she didn't know exactly what was going on so she was like why is everybody tagging me in wwe stuff you know she tweeted that out and a lot of the fans actually told her yo like you're being included in wwe stuff because they mentioned you on the show and a lot of fans were asking her questions like who was her favorite wrestler you know who does she like right now and she mentioned people like the rock and stone cold steve austin when she was younger and then she also mentioned that she liked sasha banks and sasha banks actually wound up retweeting her and i believe Nicki minaj wound up retweeting her too so and talking about you know how they both actually like her as a wrestler so i think that's really cool for that type of exposure and she even and cardi b also wound up getting into it with lacey evans who decided to get buck with her on twitter and talk about how she might actually get knocked out because uh by making reference to Nicki minaj's and cardi b's infamous fight a couple years ago where cardi b got hit in the face um and it left a lump but apparently it's rumored that she won the fight but Lacey Evans was like, look, we throw real punches over here. You know, it's not like, you know, when you fought with Nicki Minaj and Cardi B was like, see, you're just a crazy white woman and you tried to ruin it. And I was interacting with the fans and everything was positive and I don't need anything from you and all this other stuff. Um, and I think Cardi just didn't necessarily know that that was, you know, Lacey Evans just being a heel online, which a lot of people are doing in WWE. It's like when they tweet stuff, they have a tendency to be in character. Um, and they don't necessarily, you know, talk as their real selves. So I don't think Cardi truly knows, you know, the art of the work or whatever. But I thought I still thought it was really interesting how she was just ready to get the smoke ready and all the other stuff. So I'm hoping that somewhere down the line, WWE and Cardi B will work together because I mean, they've worked with Offset before because he had his song with Ric Flair and had Ric Flair in his music video for Ric Flair Drip. And he was actually, you know, on a 
a Raw or a SmackDown at one point that was in Atlanta, Georgia. So I'm just kind of like, bruh, if y'all can work with Wale and work with Offset, then please work with Cardi B. You know, have her shake somebody. Let her choke somebody, you know. Let her be a manager for somebody. Like, do a thing and make it work. (laughs) So that was a really cool thing to see i really enjoyed that because i love cardi b's music also in terms of rap and wrestling we had snoop dogg get featured on new year smash for i believe um in night one on aew and he was out there with cody rhodes because they were also beefing up the go big show um on tbs and so while advertising that you know snoop dogg was out there in, in cody rhodes's corner during his match with um his name used to be Evan Bourne in WWE, but I forgot I forgot what his name is um now in AEW. But this like during this match and then after that there was a lot of interference going on, you know, after the match was done and and Snoop Dogg actually jumped from the top rope and did a quasi frog splash. I say quasi because y'all know Snoop Dogg's not really a wrestler. He's just related to one in Sasha Banks. But he jumped from the top rope and you know and hit the person with the splash and i thought that was really funny um because snoop dogg is a person who's willing to try anything and i thought that was really cool to see and it actually went viral on facebook and everybody was like bro what is snoop dogg doing like he just be doing anything and i just thought that was just really funny that he's just you know living his best life you know and even sasha banks retweeted and said look cousin we're gonna have to work on this splash (laughs) and i thought that was just really funny so also in rap and wrestling news we have um we have west side gun smoke dizza and wale paying paying homage to the hurt business in their song called the hurt business which came from a soundtrack to the griselda film conflicted so they released the song as a single this week and the song clocks in at like four minutes and it features production from Griselda's Camouflage Monk and they pay tribute to the Hurt Business, which consists of Cedric Alexander, Bobby Lashley, MVP and um, Shelton Benjamin. And they made all kinds of wrestling references in it from Ric Flair, Greg Valentine and Vince McMahon. And it's just so funny that it's taken from this film but it's definitely paying tribute to the group because it seems like the group is just on this upward um trajectory with them winning all the winning the raw tag titles and the united states championships and it seems like with raw being on the struggle bus here lately they've been one of raw's brightest um parts and that's you know definitely thanks to mvp having a producer role backstage and him actually giving more of a role to these black super black male superstars that have either not been featured at all or featured very little and it's and it's just amazing how this group has just allowed them to just grow into being who they're really you know into tapping into their true into their true potential and being who you know they really feel like they should be even though it looks like there there's a little bit of dissension there there's still you know that united front so it's cool that they have this rap song you know centered on them and it's always cool to see Wale participating in wrestling and rap because that's just awesome 
So also in the news, we have Sasha Banks, who's been listed as the number one wrestling superstar by Sports Illustrated. So there was a lot of people on this list, um, but she was definitely at the top. And then um, in the top five, you had number five was Kenny Omega from AEW, Tetsuya Naito from New Japan Pro Wrestling, Drew McIntyre, the WWE champion, and John Moxley, who was number two. And then Sasha Banks was number one. And then number six was Bailey. Number seven was Io Shirai, both from WWE slash NXT. Um... Kota, Kota Ibushi from New Japan Pro Wrestling, Roman Reigns from WWE, and Eddie Kingston from AEW. So I want to say congratulations to my favorite GOAT wrestler, um, Sasha. And you definitely deserve it, especially given the, the 2020 that she had, you know, carrying the women's division um, through the pandemic era, along with Bailey and Asuka and um, Kyrie Sane for a little bit with the women's tag team titles, the Raw um women's championship and now the smackdown women's championship and i'll talk a little bit more about her um in the smackdown segment so just congratulations to my love um i mean my goat so (laughs) yeah also in the news which really isn't necessarily a news story but at the same time it was something that just caught my eye um amanda huber the wife of the late john huber aka luke harper and aka Um, Brody Lee in AEW who passed away in December released a statement on wrestling being being more united and not being separated so something that's been happening since um, Brody Lee passed away sadly was that when it came to tributes a lot of fans on social media were sort of saying how they felt like WWE should have done more for him as opposed to the little that they actually did do, which was still moving in and of itself. But then at the same time, they were comparing it to AEW's tribute, which was more vast because that was the last company that he had worked for before he had gotten sick and passed away. And I believe that Amanda Huber saw this and just felt like saying something I don't know but here's what she said she said so many people expect myself and my family to hate on WWE the fact is we don't and we never have my husband absolutely got frustrated because he wanted more than they had envisioned for him but that doesn't mean that he hated them the frustration didn't change the real and genuine love that our family has for pro wrestling as a whole um wwe gave my husband a platform it enabled him to live his dream a dream he almost gave up on he was able to travel the world in his dream job he got to entertain millions of people he got to build a beautiful life for our family he held singles gold there he won a belt at wrestlemania he ticked so many life dream life boxes there he just happened to want a little more out of his career that's why he left not out of hate not because they're an evil company he left because his vision didn't match theirs the most incredible thing he took away from his time in wwe was the people the people he carried with him until his very last days it wasn't one company versus another little brody loves wrestling we still watch wrestling every week we would tune in to see Uncle Boom Boom, um, Cesaro, and family best friend Big E, people that transcended the lines of friendship into family. People in the WWE watched my kids grow up. They loved my husband so much they welcomed my family into their arms. They became my family too. The flood of love I've received from the WWE is real and it's beautiful. In my husband's final moments, the people that surrounded my family were wrestlers. Companies didn't matter. 
Please, I beg you, stop trying to create a divide in wrestling. Support pro wrestling, love pro wrestling. Live your life like Brody in a way that speaks, in a way that people speak like this. And I thought this was very heartfelt here because I feel like us as wrestling fans have a tendency to try to separate um, and compete all the time and sort of make it like, like I always say, like it was in the 90s where there was clearly a war going on between WCW and WWF at the time. And I feel like we get so caught up in that that we tend to forget that these superhuman people are still humans. And we forget that these are people who create relationships and lasting relationships outside of you going to work somewhere else. And yeah, Brody Lee may have felt some type of way, you know, about his career and where it was going at the time but that doesn't mean that he hated WWE he was just willing to go somewhere else for the growth of his career you can leave a place and not have any ill will towards it um so it was nice that Amanda Huber and um decided to come out and say that because I feel like a lot of what gets lost in the whole competition thing is the fact that pro wrestling should be a community and we should be loving each other and you know not tearing each other down based off of our different you know promotions that we love that we like to watch or love to watch like we should be you know learning from each other and you know sharing ideas with one another and not tearing each other down because of our different interests so that was really good to it was good to hear from her on that but i just hope that she gets the healing that she needs um as she goes through this really tough time and thoughts and prayers are with her family and her kids and also to end this news and gossipers segment we have the dusty roads tag team classic teams have been that have been announced so this new this classic is going on and this it shows the best of nxt's tag team division you know fighting for the dusty roads tag team cup which is of course named after the nxt um founding father dusty roads who passed away you know a few years ago and they've announced a lot of the teams um that are going to be participating it's going to be august gray and kurt stallion who are relatively new to the wwe scene um, the Bollywood Boys from 205 Live, Breezango, um, Drake Maverick and Killian Dane, Ever Rise, The Grizzle Young Veterans, Imperium, Jake Atlas and Isaiah Swerve Scott, which surprised me because they kind of hate each other right now, so I don't know how that's going to work, Kushida and Leon Ruff, The Undisputed Era in um, Adam Cole, Bebe, and Roderick Strong, The Way with Johnny Gargano in Austin Theory, and Legado del Fantasma in Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza. So, um, this is going to be an interesting bout with different abilities and different, you know, athleticism that's going to be shown throughout this tournament. And of course, the winner is going to win the cup. But they also announced on Wednesday that they're going to have their first ever women's Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic, which I think is interesting because that'll give more um, of the tag teams something to do in terms of the women. So that's going to be really cool. And I think that might be a good placeholder since they're not doing the Mae Young Classic anymore, mysteriously. So we'll see what happens from that, but it's really exciting. So that's all for news and gossipish. And now we're going to go to wrestling fan story time. Okay, 
So I'm going to tell a story of something that happened to me this week um, where I kind of just had an idea. I was at work and everybody on social media was reacting to Cardi B interacting with the WWE fans and all of that cool stuff or whatever. And I was at work and I was just thinking to myself, wouldn't it be cool if wrestling or if WWE or maybe even AEW, you know, all of them collectively decided to have a rap and wrestling era. The same way there was an era in the 80s where it was sort of like rock and roll and wrestling with the whole MTV thing sort of springing forth um, like it did. And you had the likes of Cindy Lauper and all kinds of celebrities like Muhammad Ali and stuff, you know, showing up and Liberace showing up on WWE programming. Like, wouldn't it be cool if there was like a rap era? So I decided to tweet out um, something along the lines of doing that. I tweeted um, hot take from Stephanie at I am Cardi B belongs in WWE. If they were smart, they would make the rap and wrestle era work between her offset, her husband, um, Wale, Josiah Williams, who works for WWE and has a, um, a rapping persona known as wrestle and flow and Snoop Dogg and Bad Bunny. It could work. So I tweeted that and I posted it all over um, Facebook, my Instagram and my um, Twitter. And it got a couple of reactions, a lot of positive ones and some negative ones. And it's just that it was just one negative one that kind of almost sent me back really far. Um, so I posted it on my timeline and there was this person who I was friends with who is a wrestling writer who shall remain nameless for a website. And he made the statement saying that it was a bad idea. It was really horrible. Like, it was just so sad. Um, he said, with all due respect, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. It's not a good idea and no one cares. Thank you. And I responded by saying, with all due respect, it was just a fun idea um, that called back to the rock and roll and wrestling era. And it was a means to creatively tie in the most popular genre of music in with wrestling and in my opinion it's a good idea and some people do care and it's just that I was thinking with rap being as universal as it is as you know as it is now and probably more universal than it's ever truly been it's like you see rap and you hear rap in almost every commercial and every you know sports montage or whatever you know you see it and hear it everywhere so I'm thinking so to combine all of that and then you have your rappers like Bad Bunny who made a music video for his song Booker T and had Booker T in it. And like I said earlier um, in News and Gossipish where you had Offset make his song called Ric Flair Drip and he had Ric Flair in the video and with how many times he's been featured in different on different sports teams, you know, to hype them up and stuff like that. It's like you see stuff like that and you sort of wonder and then with Becky Lynch before, of course, she got pregnant and had her baby she was on an espn commercial for sports center it's like you see stuff like that and you can't help but wonder whether or not you know combining rap and wrestling and also rap with other elements of pop culture you know would that work and it's just like in my mind i just didn't think it was a bad idea it was just a creative thing that i just sort of you know put out there and even one of wwe's many twitter accounts actually mentioned you know how cool would it be if cardi b decided to go to wwe and they you know did a collaboration 
So I didn't think it was really a bad idea. It was just, you know, me just putting it out there just for fun, you know, but then you have your wrestling fans who have a tendency to take stuff very seriously and take wrestling so seriously to the point to where if they see anything that doesn't make sense to them, they will either say no, which I respect, or they'll just bash you and just, you know, crash it. And I'm really grateful for my friend Derek um, out of New Jersey who hosts two wrestling podcasts called the Rap and Wrestle Podcast and Wrestling IQ 101, um, who actually came to my defense and said he thought it was a great idea and and talk about how there's a whole group of people who enjoy the genre of hip hop that would obviously care. So, I mean, it was just crazy. But then somehow or another, this person decided to get really reckless on social media. And to make a long story short, he came to my defense. My boyfriend came to my, Derek came to my defense. My boyfriend came to my defense. I came to my own defense and he decided to get really offended. And he, um, and when I told him that I was the host of a wrestling podcast and that I was a fan, he basically said, you know, this is a waste of time to fight with you guys. And I hope you and your 20 followers have fun. And he blocked me. And this was kind of hurtful because this is the first time I had ever encountered a wrestling troll or at least a troll like that who decided to kind of just bash my idea. And then whenever somebody tried to have a a civil conversation with him about why the idea was a good idea, he decided to get buck at me and at them and basically just blocked me for no reason at all because I'm just sitting here like, bro, like you took it that seriously. And it made me feel sad and I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it didn't bother me and didn't leave me with a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth but because it really did but something that it made me think of was the fact that that Monday night I also saw a lot of um people come to the defense of Alicia Fox being seen as a legend because even though she was a wrestler during the um, 2000s Divas era, where a lot of the women's wrestling that would take place would be good, but it wouldn't necessarily be given the giving that much attention or that much time. It was like a lot of what she did was seemingly overlooked. But the, t- the idea that she had such great atle- athleticism and actually has one of the best northern light suplexes of all time and the fact that she was the first and only divas, divas champion of African-American descent. Um, I feel like that within and with the longevity that she had in the business, like I feel like that sort of gives her the right to be called a legend or even an icon at the very least. But there were a lot of people who disagreed with those who, you know, agreed with her placement in WWE as a legend and as an icon to the point to where they were disrespecting them. And a lot of these people were black women. Um, And it just seemed like there was a lot of disrespect happening towards black women and their fandom of wrestling on social media when it came to other subjects outside of that. And I wanted to take this time to talk about how that frustrates me as a fan because a lot of people just make make it seem like if you're a girl and I didn't realize this until I got a whole lot older but it's like they make it seem like if you're a girl and you like wrestling it's because you're either trying to be cool 
or you're trying to do it with an alter with an ulterior motive like you're trying to get close to somebody or you're trying to or you that you go to wrestling events to try to sleep with the wrestlers or you just really don't know that much about wrestling at all or as much as any know-it-all white boy fan would know and it's like when you go online and you talk about anything wrestling related whether it's a creative idea or whether it's an opinion that you have they have a tendency to try to whether you're it's like they have a tendency to try to you know degrade you and talk down to you you know as if you don't know anything or because you don't know as much as them or if you don't share the same sentiments as them then your opinion is null and void and you just need to shut up and just not do anything about it I had another instance where I got irritated in the past few weeks as people were, you know, trying to compare the AEW tribute to Brody Lee to the WWE tributes to Brody Lee. And I mentioned that I just really wish that people would just stop doing that. And this one person decided to come out of their tree and tell me, you know, to shut the F up. And I'm just like, really? Really? And that was just rude. But then thankfully, um, Sir Wilkins of the Jobber Tears podcast came to my defense and said not to talk to me like that. And that, you know, there is a way and that there's a way to be respectful with, you know, talking to somebody about a difference of opinion without making it seem like you're being disrespectful. And I appreciate, you know, everyone for that. But what upsets me the most is just the fact that you have people like that who can't stand for any woman or specifically a black woman to have any type of opinion about wrestling because in their minds they only feel like the true fans or fans just like them or wrestlers just like them deserve the spotlight and just always deserve to be out in front and anyone else that's that they have othered in their minds can't have an opinion about wrestling because they're not used to that they're only used to white males being wrestling fans and I'm here to tell you that's a complete lie because some of the greatest wrestling podcasters that I know are women of color on um like on face beat high heels podcast those that podcast is ran by three women of color and then you also have those wrestling girls that's ran by Krista B and Queen PR those are two black women and they have even been on the Tamron Hall show over their fandom over the Bella twins and you have people like Janelle Garcia who's one of the who's one of the co-hosts of the Jobber Tears podcast and she's an Afro-Latina woman and she is a wrestling fan. And you even have those dead ass girls, you know, they are wrestling fans. And the thing that irritates me, I mean, not the thing that irritates me, and the thing that inspires me the most about them is the fact that they're, you, they will use their platform to give women a space to talk about their wrestling fandom and make it okay for us to, to like wrestling from a female perspective because we love wrestling and we love to watch the men and the women wrestle um but we also like other parts of it too like there are parts of wrestling that are catered towards us too we like to look at the men you know with their six packs and with their great bodies and we like to talk about you know the women and their fashions and the makeup and the hair that they do like there's just so much more to wrestling that I feel like women have a tendency to talk about or go into more than sometimes men do. 
And you can't just second guess us simply because we're of a different sex or we have a different race. Wrestling fans are universal and we're everywhere. And you can't just talk down to black women and make it seem like we don't have a place in this fandom because clearly we do. If black women have a face in professional wrestling as a whole where you have Naomi and you have your Naomi's, you have your Bianca Belair's, you have your Sasha Banks's, you have your Jacqueline's, your Jazz's, you have your Tasha Steele's, you have your Kiara Hogan's, you have your Big Swole's. If you have all of these women being great in wrestling, you have your Holidays, you have Promise Braxton's everywhere. If you have all of these black women in wrestling, then what makes you think that fans aren't going to fans who look like them aren't going to support them or any other woman or any other male in wrestling what makes you think that 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 doesn't exist like the world isn't just what you look like and it's not just what you think it ought to be the world is way more diverse and way more colorful than you think it is like I'll never forget the time I actually went to Ghana in 2014 and saw that there were wrestling fans even there because I had never really thought about even though I had known that people were watching wrestling all over the world because they talked about it multiple times on their shows I mean to find out that people actually watch wrestling in Ghana was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life it's a universal thing and because it's a universal thing everybody watches it and everybody loves it we're a community we should be lifting people up and inviting anybody who wants to talk about it into the fray as opposed to separating and segregating each other you know and not looking at what we all have in common and the wrestling things that we have in common and we can't gatekeep and keep people who want to learn about wrestling out of it either because some of the best conversations I've had about wrestling have been with people who don't know as much about it but want to learn from it because they still feel it's interesting or they think it's cool because I talk about it like you have to be open you have to have an open mind or otherwise you'll never see all the great stuff that's surrounding you all the time and I feel like us as wrestling fans just need to do better at including people and not excluding people all the time just because oh well they don't know as much as I do or they don't know about anything at all so why should they care and why should they listen to my thing and blah 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 blah. no don't do that because that makes you a bully that makes you a complete butthole and you really need to stop that type of behavior and I'll also just say that even whether or not wrestling as a whole decides to do the whole rapping wrestling thing I mean it doesn't matter because that was just something I just put out in the universe and if they do it fine if they don't that's fine too because at least you know the possibilities are still endless because wrestling's never gonna ever stop or quit or whatever so it's whatever but my thing is one thing we should never do is shoot down anybody's idea about anything and that goes you know that doesn't just go with wrestling that just goes with life period so I'm really grateful to be a representative of african-american females who love wrestling and if you ever want to talk about wrestling whether you know about it or not you can always talk to talk to me about it or whatever um message me or whatever but just know that i'm not going to exclude you from the conversation because i have you know all of these closed mind all this closed-minded crap like life is too short for that we need to be including everyone and loving everyone and 
that includes black females in wrestling fandom. Like our opinion matters just as much as anybody else's opinion matters. So black excellence all around, excellence all around period, but definitely black excellence deserves to be celebrated, not just in the sport itself, but also amongst its fans. And let's love each other. And that's the end of this story time. Okay, so now we're going to go to our weekly recap. We're going to start with Monday Night Raw, which of course was emanating from the Thunderdome. And it was their special Legends Night where we had all kinds of legendary and iconic people pop up throughout the show. And it was really cool to see with the exception of Hulk Hogan because we don't like him. Um, So, and if you wonder why we don't like him, Google why and you'll have your answer. Anyway, we're going to start with our girls. And the first female match that they had was Charlotte Flair and Asuka, the women's tag team champions, versus Peyton Royce and Lacey Evans. And, of course, since it was Legends Night, Charlotte Flair came out with her legendary father, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Woo! So... Um, this was a non-title match, and so Ric Flair was just watching his daughter from ringside. So there was some improving chemistry between Royce and um, Lacey Evans in terms of their tag team work, because a lot of questions have been popping up as to what in the world Peyton Royce was going to be doing now that her and Billy Kay are no longer a tag team, and it seems like her and Lacey Evans are sort of finding their groove here a little bit as they were working over Charlotte. Charlotte then tagged Oscar. Um, to have them to have the champs rolling but then Peyton Royce um shoved Asuka off the off the ropes while Flair and Evans were brawling on the floor and fighting each other there and then coming back from commercial break um Lacey Evans and Peyton Royce were dominating the match and stopping Asuka in the corner and keeping her away from her partner but then finally Charlotte um was able to tag in and unleash a flurry of chops to the chest of Lacey Evans who kept flirting with freaking Ric Flair and I understand that Ric Flair used to be a very flirtatious man back in the day but this guy is married and he is older than you and could probably be your dad so please leave him alone um and it was upsetting Charlotte you could tell that she was doing that to get under Charlotte's skin but at the same time it was still kind of irritating because I'm like ma'am stop anyway like we're you're pretending like we haven't seen you interact with your husband and child on tv but either way um then um Charlotte Flair launched Peyton Royce with a suplex and then delivered a moonsault to both of them and then Asuka tagged herself in and hit a, a kick to the face to the face of Peyton Royce and then there was a natural selection hit by Flair to Peyton Royce and Peyton Royce didn't sell that natural selection very well in my opinion it just seemed like it was just kind of like a plop and then she really just kind of sat back up and it, she didn't really sell it well but then Lacey Evans broke up the pin just in time but then um she was still coming on and flirting with Ric Flair and then as Charlotte was getting ready to hit um a move on a move on Peyton Royce. Ric Flair, I guess, accidentally tripped up Charlotte, allowing Peyton Royce to score the win with the crucifix roll-up. 
and this was kind of shocking here because I'm trying to because and I think it was shocking to him too because I think he was either trying to mess her up or probably trying to mess Peyton Royce up but at the same time it was kind of sucky to kind of see Ric Flair mess up his daughter you know winning this match and so after the match was over he was looking very apologetic about it but Charlotte wasn't hearing it and she basically told him I don't need you here get out and he just sort of walked away and they were looking angry and I was just like oh my god that's so weird so yeah I don't know why they did that but it's just like Charlotte kind of came back as a baby face and it just seemed like now she's sort of turning heel a little bit now that she's sent her dad away kind of like how she used to be when she first came up to the main roster after she turned straight heel and then her and Sasha Banks were feuding against each other and she had her dad always in her corner and he was always cheating for her until she got tired of him and basically sent him away and treated him like trash that's kind of what it felt like but yeah I don't know what's gonna happen here also with the women you had Dana Brooke versus Shayna Baszler and it was supposed to be Shayna Baszler versus Mandy Rose but as she was making her way to the ring she got attacked by Shayna Baszler you know as they were you know as she was making her entrance towards the ring and she just attacked her and it kind of just left the match kind of in limbo like we didn't know what was truly going to happen since she attacked her but then Dana Brooke came out to Mandy Rose's defense and then she hit the ring and and demanded a match with Baszler and then they kept fighting and scuffling you know until Shayna Baszler trapped Dana Brooke in the Karafuda clutch but then Dana countered with the roll-up for the win so after she won um Mandy Rose broke up the Karafuda clutch that Shayna Baszler never let go of somehow and then she joined her in beating and basically beating her up with a double flapjack and I think this is kind of strange because I just feel like outside of um Asuka being Raw Women's Champion and Women's Tag Team Champion is sort of leaving the rest of the women's division in limbo and I just need something else to happen and I don't necessarily want to like predict that maybe Naomi will come back but at the same point in Ray it's just kind of like everyone has been on the struggle bus lately with their women's division it's just strange but then also with the women you had of course their legends night appearances by Alicia Fox um who was having a conversation backstage and then you also had Mickey James backstage as well which also confused me because it felt like just a few months ago she was fighting in a match with Oscar for a, the Raw Women's Championship and now she's just being labeled as a legend and now she's just not fighting anymore and I'm just wondering what the heck is going on with that like it's just you know either she's a legend or she's on the main roster like I don't know what's going on and then you had Tori Wilson show up and she kind of as I mentioned in News and Gossipish sent Angel Garza to try to meet Cardi B when in actuality it was the boogeyman and there was um former divas champion and women's champion melina who showed up and had an interaction with the lucha house party and it was always and it's really cool to see her because i always loved her um back in the day so that's really all that happened with the women so now we're gonna go to the men and the show started um with ms with a ms tv segment and the new day as their guests so um they ran down the card for the night and then talked about some of the legends who would make special appearances before welcoming their first guests of the new year which is the new day and kofi kingston and xavier woods 
So they took over the show, supposedly, and renamed it New Day Talks and kept talking over Miz and Morrison over and over again and playing instruments over and over again and making jokes at their expense. And then the Miz finally got tired of it, you know, and interrupted them. But then as they interrupted them and started to get aggressive with them, Teddy Long, the like the OG general manager of SmackDown came out and said, Miz and Morrison, you're going to go one-on-one with The Undertaker, which is always funny to hear because that's what that was the one thing he used to punish people with. He would always say, since you think you're all that player, you're going to face The Undertaker. And they'd be like, no. Um, but, you know, Undertaker's gone now, so we can't do that. Then um, Kingston and Woods playfully ran around the ring selling the announcement before he corrected himself and booked a, a tag team match with um, them to face each other. And I thought it was really funny because something else that Teddy Long used to do was basically, you know, book tag team matches or triple threat matches all the time. And it was always good to see him. And because he's from Birmingham too, he has Birmingham ties here. So it was always good to see him um, on television. I love Teddy Long. Don't be sipping the haterade though. Anyway, this led... This led to their tag team match, and there was a lot of back and forth action, you know, dominating the opening moments of the match. Um, and it seemed, and it seemed like every time Miz and Morrison threatened to take control, um, the New Day would frustrate them with some more stuff. And then um, Kofi Kingston sailed over the ropes and then wiped them out before heading to a commercial break. And then when we came back from commercial break, um, Miz and Morrison grounded Kofi Kingston um, and then cut him off from tagging in Xavier. And then Kofi Kingston fought back and then made a tag to Xavier Woods. And then he exploded into the match and drove Miz to the floor and survived a big forearm from John Morrison and answered with one of his own. And then Xavier fired off a shining wizard and scored the pinfall on John Morrison. And the men seemed very sad and upset that they had lost to them. But I don't know, you know, if this is going to continue with a feud with them or maybe the New Day will come back and try to win their Raw Tag Team titles back against the Hurt Business. I don't know what's coming from this, but, you know, The Miz is still carrying around that Money in the Bank briefcase. So there's anything, anything can come from that. So that was whatever. Then we had AJ Styles versus Elias again. And before this, Angel Garza was also trying to flirt with Alicia Fox and Mickey James. So Elias attacked AJ Styles from the opening bell and it survived a headlock to seize control of um, AJ Styles and then he dominated coming from the commercial break as almost was watching from the floor and then Elias delivered a sit down a sit out choke slam scoring a near fall and then he caught AJ Styles mid flight blocking the phenomenal forearm with a jumping knee for yet another two count it seemed like for these past two matches that they've had against each other Elias has really been taking him to the limit and that's pretty surprising um and that's pretty surprising stuff because it seems like a lot of Elias's work as a you know musician is very strong and as a character is very strong but I feel like he's very underrated when it comes to his wrestling ability so for him to be able to take it to the limit with someone like AJ Styles who's like a pioneer in wrestling it's just really cool to see him then AJ Styles countered an electric chair with a hurricanrana, and then he delivered the Styles Clash and then scored the win. But then after the match, as he was celebrating his win, Jackson Riker 
um, tried to hit him up, hit him from behind with the guitar, but then he smashed it in, he smashed it into Omos who kicked it. Like he kicked the guitar out of the way and it was so major that it broke the guitar. And I'm just like, Whoa, when I saw that part, I could not believe it. I was like, Oh my God, almost kicked that whole guitar and broke it. That gave me life. <laughs> so they basically ran away after that. And I'm just like, Jackson Riker, you may be Elias's right hand man, but almost is a whole giant seven foot human. And you're just not going to outdo him at all. So stop trying. Either way, that was a cool spot. Also, um, with the men, we had Matt Riddle versus Bobby Lashley. And you know, Bobby Riddle, um, not Bobby Riddle, Lord have mercy. Matt Riddle and the Hurt Business have been kind of going back and forth over the past couple of weeks. So as this match started, Matt Riddle didn't waste any time, you know, taking the fight to Bobby Lashley. And he was striking with all kinds of, you know, rapid fire stuff. And then Bobby Lashley weathered the storm and then dealt the fight back to Matt Riddle heading into the commercial break. And when we came back from break, Bobby Lashley was dominating um, by rocking Matt Riddle and leaving him with a dazed and confused look on his face um, on the floor. But then Matt Riddle fought back and delivered a straight kick to the face and followed with a broton for a two count. And then a final flash needed a face earned for another two count. But Bobby Lashley recovered and then stunned Matt Riddle on the top rope and then brought him down with a dominator. He then followed with a hurt lock, but then Riddle springboarded off of the ropes and then he tapped out, forcing Lashley to break the hold. But the referee didn't see the tap out. So he ordered the match to continue and then Riddle scored the roll up as Bobby Lashley was frustrated for the win. So he won a lucky win over him, even though he tapped out. And MVP was very mad at this, you know, outcome. He got in the ring and got in the referee's face and started yelling at him and cussing at him or whatever. And Lashley was just kind of, you know, upset about it. So this still somehow or another sets up Matt Riddle to possibly face Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. But at the same time, there's still controversy tied to it because he tapped out, but then and then took advantage of the fact the ref didn't see it. So we'll have to be able to see if he's able to face him one-on-one with a clean finish. So there's that. Then we also have Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton. And you got these two OGs facing each other. Well, not OG OG, like Ric Flair and them, but just like, you know, kind of an OG, but not really. Um, So backstage charlie asked randy orton if he actually did set alexa bliss on fire which was the cliffhanger that they left us with last monday of course which was the last monday night raw 2020 and he said that he didn't set her set her on fire um and he attributed it to self-hatred and turning against his enemies and then he basically you know started his went out to the ring for his match with jeff hardy hardy gang hardy gang so randy orton attacked jeff hardy early and often and he was picking him apart um while tom phillips was discussing the rich history between them and then jeff hardy was fighting back with an intended twist of fate um that resembled a swinging net breaker but it wound up not working because randy orton took control 
as Jeff Hardy crashed into the floor. And then back from commercial break, Randy Orton was targeting Jeff Hardy's earlobes, which kind of called back to their match, um, to their Hell in a Cell match from 2018, which upset me because I cannot stand it when people have those giant holes and then someone decides to stick their fingers inside them and twist it. Like that is just so gross. It looks like they're about to twist the bottom half of their ear off. It was so nasty. Like leave his gauges alone. Um, anyway, um, I had to close my eyes. It was bad. Then Jeff Hardy finally, um, mounted a comeback and then rocked his opponent with a, clo- with a corner clothesline. And he followed the whisper in the wind for a, a near fall. Then Jeff Hardy looked poised to put Orton away with a swanton bomb, but then Orton rolled out of the way and then dropped and then dropped him with a draping DDT. And then as Jeff Hardy was trying for a twist of fate, he got caught with an RKO and Randy Orton won. And something else disturbing that was happening with Randy Orton throughout the night was because it was Legends Night, he was acting like sharks to blood because he was just messing with all the legends he got disrespectful with mark henry he got real disrespectful with a lot of other legends too it was just kind of hurtful because i'm sitting here like bro like you're being mad disrespectful to these people who paved the way to you for you but he's a legend killer so it's not like he really killed any legends like he said he was gonna do but he was just slithering around like the viper that he is and just being disrespectful and it was just really gross it was just bad so yeah then we have the lucha house party versus the hurt business tag team and shelton benjamin and cedric alexander who are the raw tag team champions so after they had an encounter with melina they went to their match and then um shelton benjamin and cedric alexander established dominance but then overconfidence on the part of cedric alexander led to um lince dorado rocking cedric alexander with a jawbreaker and then there was a big knee from shelton benjamin who tagged in which stopped him from making a tag before making before letting tension you know build up between shelton benjamin and cedric um and it proved to be very costly because after a super kick to Shelton Benjamin, Lince Dorado scored a win with the crucifix roll-up. And then after the match was over, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander were fussing back and forth at each other and yelling at each other. But then MVP yelled at them and said, this is not who we are. Y'all need to get it together and all that other stuff. And he demanded that Shelton and Cedric settle their differences and get back on the same page. But then Cedric Alexander walked off while MVP held Shelton Benjamin back from beating him up. And I hate seeing this because they were just so united, you know, and it's always good to see, you know, the Hurt Business be as excellent, you know, especially with Black Excellence, you know, as excellent as they are. But now you have them, you know, having seeds of dissension and you're wondering if they're going to break up and you're wondering if Cedric Alexander is feeling himself a little bit too much um, with the confidence that he's earned from being a part of the hurt business and you're wondering if he's going to be the the really the straw that breaks the camel's back and then they all decide to break up i don't want the hurt business to break up but according to um a, an answer for a question that sir wilkins had from the job Tears podcast for mvp mvp said they're probably going to be together for a long time so we just got to wait and see but i'm not i'm not ready to watch the hurt business break up keep my chocolate horsemen together 
Um, then we had the main event, which was Drew McIntyre versus Keith Lee for the WWE Championship. And this match was fan-freaking-tastic. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, so all of the legends kind of came out um, to watch the match, and they came out to applaud Keith Lee as he made his entrance towards the ring, which added credibility and a sense of significance to this main event. Also to Keith Lee, you know, who's budding and beginning to grow and show more of himself and his abilities on the main roster. So Drew worked over Keith Lee really early, but as the fight spilled to the floor, Keith Lee leveled the champion with a pounce that sent him over the guardrail into the arena floor. Then Keith Lee worked over the ribs and midsection coming out of the commercial break, and he was trying to exploit the injury that um, Drew, Drew McIntyre had, but he fought back, launching Keith Lee across the ring, and then Keith Lee answered with a spine buster. Then Drew McIntyre delivered a powerbomb from the um, ring apron, driving Lee through the announce table ahead of the final commercial break of the night. Then Keith Lee fought through the effects of the table and scored a near fall following the commercial break. Then Drew McIntyre looked for a backslide, but then Keith Lee powered out, and then Drew McIntyre countered and delivered a future shock DDT for a two count. Keith Lee was not giving up, y'all. Like, it was looking like he was going to win on multiple occasions. And I really did want him to win. So, Keith then slowed down his opponent's momentum, again targeting the ribs. Then they scaled the ropes from which Keith Lee delivered a super Spanish fly that looked really dangerous. But he was able to net him. He was able to net in for a two count on Drew McIntyre. And that Spanish fly was really impressive for someone his size. Like I was kind of worried when he got on that top rope, but he's proven that he's gone on the top rope before. So that was really good. So I was really impressed with that. Then Keith Lee countered a Claymore kick and then tried for the spirit bomb. But then Drew McIntyre escaped and then delivered a Claymore for the title defense. And it made me sad because I'm just like, God dang it. Like I understand that Drew McIntyre is the guy now. But I wasn't too upset at him losing, at Keith Lee losing, because he showed that he was def that he is definitely, you know, main event material here. And I was really proud of Keith Lee. Um, and I think Drew McIntyre was getting ready to say that he was proud of Keith Lee when he picked up the microphone after the match was over. Um, but he was interrupted by Goldberg. And I will also venture to say in terms of Keith Lee, um, I don't want... Keith Lee to have to wait five or ten more years before he gets his opportunity at a WWE championship like that again. Do not make these black wrestlers wait 10,000 years the same way y'all made Kofi Kingston wait 11 years. Do not make Big E wait over a thousand years either. So, on to Goldberg. Goldberg came out there and started some mess with Drew McIntyre and challenged him to a match for the WWE Championship at the Royal Rumble, to which the champion suggested it would be like him wrestling his dad. And then the show um, abruptly left off air, but then they showed online how Goldberg pushed him twice to the um, ring apron. And this frustrated me a little bit because... As much as I love Goldberg because he was the first wrestler I ever fell in love with and all that other stuff when I was four years old. I'm not four years old anymore. I'm 27. And I'm kind of tired of him consistently coming back over and over again um, and getting these title shots out of nowhere when there are so many people who are consistently with the company and working for the company day in and day out who don't get an opportunity at all. And 
I feel like when you're a legend, you can be the type of legend that can uplift you know, the future that's already there in a way that doesn't come off as you stealing the spotlight. And it feels like every time Goldberg comes back, he's coming back to steal the spotlight from the rest of the roster who's there who would have wanted a chance at Drew McIntyre's title and could have used that rub at a big four pay-per-view like the Royal Rumble. But here we are. And it's just, it's just a little bit frustrating because the last time he fought in a match, it just wasn't that good. So it's just kind of like, sir, why can't you just do something else in wrestling outside of trying to fight these people? Like, it's just a little bit annoying for me. So uh, I just have to be honest. And seeing Goldberg come back really irritated me. And it also irritated Mustafa Ali on Raw Talk because he got on there and cut a promo talking about how... Um, they dedicated three hours of a show to people who either can't even walk anymore or can't even compete anymore instead of letting the stars of the future like him and Ricochet and so many others walk the path that they were able to set forth before them. And he has a point. I can understand being frustrated, you know, with you working your entire life to get to this point. And then you get to this point to try to get an opportunity for the WWE Championship or for the Universal Championship, only to be cut off in line by this old person who's who isn't there all the time. I totally understand his frustration. Because when it comes to Mustafa Ali, he was supposed to be where Kofi was two years ago. He was supposed to have that opportunity, but he wound up getting injured. And they haven't put him in the main event spot for that title since. And I quite, and I honestly, quite literally want for Mustafa to get put in that spot again so he can prove that he has what it takes. Because if, because if you really think about it, if Kofi Mania wasn't a thing, then it would be Ali Bumaye time. So let him, you know get his shine let people like you know ricochet get their shine like let newer people get their shine as opposed to having all these older people take away you know from the championship thing from all these other people who constantly work for it so that's the end of this raw recap and now we're going to go to nxt new year's evil Okay, so I was sitting with my friends one day and they asked me, Stephanie, how do you record your podcast? And I said, with the Anchor app on my phone. And they were like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, it's that simple. It is absolutely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. And it will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from the podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's got everything you need to make a podcast in one place. They even have classes and stuff that you can listen to that will give you all kinds of good tips on what you need to do in order to make the best podcast. So if you want to do this, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. Okay, so now we're going to recap NXT New Year's Evil special that they had. This was the first NXT episode of 2021. And I did feel weird about them calling it New Year's Evil after the year we kind of just had in 2020. But, you know, we're just going to hope for the best um, and just move and press on. So we're going to start with our girls like we always do. And when I tell you this match really surprised me, it really surprised me. You had Zia Lee, who was making her, I guess you could say, re-debut 
with her new, more aggressive character. And she came out there with Boa versus Katrina Cortez. And there was a mysterious woman watching from her throne who was basically responsible for Boa and Xylee being trained to be more aggressive. Um, so now they're kind of like, they kind of give you Mortal Kombat vibes. Um, it was great though. I really dug it. Like it was just really cool. So after they made their entrance, um, their entrance, Katrina Cortez tried to hit her with a lot of, tried to hit Xylee with a lot of offense, but it really wasn't working. Like she wasn't feeling any pain. Um, so Xylee kind of just sealed the victory after a series of kicks thanks to a leap, leaping spin kick. And she had like a quick victory here. And it was just absolutely wonderful. You saw more aggression from Xylee. You saw more focused kicks here. Like her striking was just impeccable. Like Z this is a new version of Xylee that we have never truly seen before. She had new hair. She had her muscles out. It was just like, girl. I like you like this. I like this aggressive Xylee. I want more. So, <laughs> um, then also with the women, we had the last woman standing match between Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez, which could have main evented a show to be honest, but then, you know, they had the NXT championship match with Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly. So this match was absolutely fantastic too. You know, the women had just have a tendency to turn it up every time they come on the show and this was another example of that so Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez headed straight to the ring to fight each other and I wanted them to kill each other it was glorious so Rhea Ripley handcuffed her opponent to the chain link fence only for Gonzalez to break off the chain and then it seemed like Raquel Gonzalez just kept gaining more of an advantage over Rhea Ripley more than I thought that she would. Um, not undercutting her abilities, but I just didn't think that she was just going to like continue to take advantage of Rhea Ripley like that. So Raquel blasted Rhea Ripley with the ring bell and then attempted to bury her under the announce table and chairs. And she was just more and more brutal as the match continued. She booted Rhea Ripley down the steps into the backstage area. And then Rhea responded by by throwing Raquel into a glass door with her back. And it was just like, whoa, like that was a pretty cool and, and badass move. Then Rhea Ripley followed up with a senton bomb off of a locker threw a table onto her onto um Ra Raquel and then Raquel's friend Dakota Kai ran in to save her friend um and tried to beat up Rhea Ripley with a kendo stick only for Rhea Ripley to grab a hold of her and stuff her into a locker like she was in middle school that destroyed me because even though Rhea Ripley said she was kind of like a nice girl and when she was in school that made me feel like a long time ago she may have been a bully because <laughs> she really just stuffed her in the locker like it was nothing like it was like an episode of recess it was cool if you like that cartoon um so then Rhea trapped Raquel into the prism trap and adding in a steel chair when they worked their way back to the stage and then Raquel worked her way out of it and then she ran she and Rhea Ripley ran hard into the led board on the stage and then neither of them looked ready to stop and stop fighting each other until Raquel grabbed Rhea Ripley and single arm power bombed her through the stage. And then after she did that, Rhea Ripley didn't get up and Raquel got up and she was counted as the last woman standing. 
And this was a really good, you know, outing for her because she just, you know, pinned Io Shirai in their women's in the women's war game match. And now she's beaten up her worst, her biggest, one of her biggest rivals in Rhea Ripley because they're both so big and they're both like Amazon warrior women. And they just gave, they pushed each other to the absolute limit. But Raquel Gonzalez just had a star making performance here. So she could very well be next in line to challenge Io Shirai for that NXT women's title at this point. But it was absolutely fantastic. I couldn't have asked for anything more. So also with the women of course they announced the women's um dusty Rhodes tag team classic for later in the year and that's also a great you know run for the women as well and also with the girls you had um a mixed tag team match between johnny gargano and candace LeRae of the way versus kushida and shotzi blackheart so Johnny Gargano came out there and made an entrance with the way celebrating the end of the North American title curse that he had. And then Candice LeRae gave, gave, you know, her husband a plaque for ending the curse. And then Austin Theory and Indy Hartwell presented a special picture for them. And then Gargano announced that he and Theory were going to participate in the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic. Then Shotzi Blackheart came out there and ruined the celebration to try to get at Candice LeRae. Um, with Kushida... And then, um, and then Dexter Loomis ran, rang the bell for an impromptu mixed tag team match. And then Kushida rolled through on the North American champion and nearly made him tap out to a cross arm breaker. But then Candice LeRae tried to make the save, but then Kushida and Blackheart proved that they had tag team chemistry by knocking them out of the ring. And then Andy Hartwell took out Shotzi Blackheart and Theory attacked Kushida. But they couldn't do enough to save Gargano from a surprise roll-up by Kushida. And I'm interested in seeing Kushida face Johnny Gargano as a new opponent for the North American title since they're not letting Leon Ruff, you know, fight him again. So this is going to be interesting here. And I'm also, and I'm always, and I always love seeing Shotzi Blackheart face, um, anyone because she's my favorite little wrecking ball I love her so much and she just and she just showed more of her athleticism here there was even like a flip that she did on Candice LeRae where it looked like she almost hurt herself in the process kind of the same way Lita almost did in her main event match she had on Raw years ago with Trish Stratus where she jumped off and and hit her with some with some type of suicide dive and then wound up landing on her neck in some type of weird way um but she wound up getting back up and facing her so it was cool so that's pretty much all that happened with the women there. So the show started with Damian Priest versus Karrion Cross, who came out there with Scarlett, of course. Um, so Damian Priest smiled in the face of um, the early destruction from Karrion Cross. He rocked Karrion with a series of right hands and kicks, but then his ribs were injured, and the um, and Karrion Cross took advantage of that and then cross then trapped damian priest in a tree of woe and then targeted the ribs with stomps and an unpadded knee strike and then he tried to turn this into a cyto superplex but then um damian escaped and planted the doomsday deviant with the razor's edge um but suffering through each move damian priest still managed to hit a running springboard somersault planchet into a spinning heel kick and the south of heaven for a near fall and this was a really impressive spot here but then Karrion Cross responded with a release German suplex and powerbomb for another near fall then outside of the ring the two fought through the pain um and this is where Karrion Cross finally took 
the unstoppable edge and slammed Damien's ribs into the steel stage and then his back onto the steel steps and then he hit a side of suplex and a running forearm to the back to the back of Damien's neck to end the match so this match was very physical here but you have um the dominance of Karrion Cross going forth after this he's still undefeated and I'm pretty sure he wants to be next in line to face Finn Balor for the NXT championship that he never lost so that's gonna be good to see then we had a NXT Cruiserweight Championship match between Santos Escobar and Grand Metalik from the Lucha House Party. So it was so this was going to be a good showing for Grand Metalik because he is one of the best cruiserweight wrestlers that they have. But a lot of that kind of gets lost in translation when you see the Lucha House Party being fun and goofy and stuff. But he really showed his great stuff here. So Santos Escobar was being very arrogant and then Grand Metalik made him pay for it by flying around the ring. And then um, Santos caught him on a head scissors takedown and turned to move into a power bomb on the barricade. And then Santos wore um, Grand Metalik down with a surfboard until Metalik turned into a pin attempt. And then Metalik got moving again and planted the champion with a springboard running plancha. And then Santos answered with a vicious suicide dive. And then with no respect for Lucha Libre now, that he claims to have respect for now, Escobar almost ripped off Grand Metalik's mask. That is disrespectful in the um, Lucha Libre um, tradition of wrestling. Don't ever rip off a mask. That's terrible. Then Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde almost got involved in the match, but then Lince Dorado made the save on behalf of his friend. And then the champion took advantage of the chaos by surviving a Frankensteiner and then planting his challenger with um, Legato, um, followed by the Phantom Driver for the three count. So now Santos Escobar is still your Cruiserweight champion. And this kind of made me sad because I kind of wanted to see Grand Metalik, you know, come away with the title but he did a really fantastic job here. So who knows who else is going to be next in line. But something that I did, you know, consider, and my boyfriend even said, was that he really feels like the next person that could be in line would probably be Andrade, maybe. This is just a, you know, what if factor. But what if it really was Andrade and then he came at the NXT and then the next thing you hear is, El Idolo. Oh my God, that would make me so happy. But I would see him and get sad because Thea Trinidad is not with him. So we're going to move on before I get emotional. Um, then we had our main event, which was Finn Balor versus Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT title. And this was a really good sequel to their match that they had at TakeOver 30, I believe. Um, Kyle O'Reilly was looking to prove himself yet again and become the champion that everybody thinks he can become. So... Kyle went right after Finn Balor's injured jaw that he broke in our last um, confrontation. But Finn Balor responded by trapping Kyle O'Reilly into an abdominal stretch, forcing Kyle O'Reilly to break the hole with his teeth on the ropes. And this allowed Finn Balor to smash Kyle's jaw hard into the ropes, causing serious damage. And it was almost like, you know, turnabout is fair play. You break my jaw, I break your jaw. So, <laughs> then... This revealed Finn's true game plan as he looked to break, you know, the jaw, like I said. He then trapped Kyle into a crossface that the challenger barely escaped. Then Kyle O'Reilly fought back desperately with kicks. But Finn fired back with a Pele kick that sent Kyle O'Reilly to the floor. 
and then Kyle transitioned into a series of submissions broken by Finn Balor by punching his rival in the jaw. And then Finn Balor landed the 1916 and went right into a crossface rather than a pinfall. Kyle barely broke it up by hitting the right hand of Finn Balor that had been worn out throughout the match. But then Finn fired back with a sling blade, standing, double stomping, corner drop kick. But then Kyle stood back up to stop the coup de gras, which could have ended the match. Then Kyle hit a superplex into a brain buster that he transitioned into an arm bar. And even though, you know, he had faced all of his pain, Balor was in much better shape than Kyle. And then he fought through and locked Kyle O'Reilly into an abdominal stretch where he yanked at the jaw until Kyle O'Reilly was forced to tap out, causing Finn Balor to retain his NXT championship. But like I said, this was a good match here. So, and I thought it was a really smart storytelling move to kind of do a um, all is fair and love and war kind of situation where Kyle broke Finn's jaw and Finn was looking to just destroy Kyle O'Reilly's jaw. So, something else that was interesting was the fact that Pete Dunne was watching at ringside and it seemed as if he wanted to be the next person in line to challenge for Finn's NXT championship. But we'll see how that goes. And that's all that happened on NXT New Year's Evil. Also, Dexter Loomis was a pretty good host even though he didn't talk. Um, but he was still funny. So we're going to go and recap SmackDown. All right. So for our last recap, we're going to recap my favorite show, SmackDown. Okay. So, <laughs> there really wasn't any women's matches um, on the show. But I think that was due to the fact that they had lots of long segments with the talking and all that other stuff. And also, because they, they had a gauntlet match um, to end um, the show. So, this kind of bummed me out a little bit. But at the same time, I couldn't necessarily be mad because they actually had story advancement on the part of the women. So... Bianca Belair announced that she was going to she was going to throw her hat in the ring for the women's Royal Rumble match. And that was exciting to hear, considering last year she had a very impressive run. She um, eliminated eight women um, while she was still in NXT in the in last year's Royal Rumble match. So while she was saying that she was going to participate in the match, she was interrupted by Bailey, who decided to interrupt her and basically, you know, rub rub it in her face that she squandered her opportunity because she didn't win the Royal Rumble. But Bianca Belair retorted by saying that she squandered her opportunity to be SmackDown Women's Champion, you know, and con- and con- and basically um ruined her chances of facing whoever won the Royal Rumble. So basically their feud is their little feud is still going on and i'm really excited to see them scrap up and fight each other again i just hope bailey doesn't ruin bianca belair's chances of winning the royal rumble because she is one of my favorites to win this year's women's royal rumble so we'll see what happens from there um bailey's in it too so we'll see and we had a segment involving Billy Kay um, begging to be a part of the Riot Squad because Natalia and um, Tamina didn't want her to be a part of their team. So she was begging them to let her be a part of the Riot Squad with Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot. 
And Liv didn't have the heart to tell her no. So now she's a part of it. And Ruby Riot was kind of looking at her like she was crazy. Like, why would you do that? And she was just like, I don't know. I just couldn't really tell her no and all this other stuff. So there was that. And then, of course, they announced how Sasha Banks was um, voted number one, the number one um, wrestling superstar by of 2020 by Sports Illustrated. And after they announced that, Carmella showed up backstage with her stupid sommelier, Reggie, because y'all know I'm beefing with him. And she proceeded to talk about how even though Sasha Banks kind of may may have deserved to be that to have that number one spot, she was talking about how she admired Sasha Banks's hustle and how she worked so hard to get to where she is now. But for some people, it's just more natural than others. And it makes me mad because even though Carmella, you know, does have a little bit of a leg in the business because her father, you know, was a wrestler for a little bit during the 80s and early 90s. Um, it's just and even though she has, you know, won the SmackDown Women's title before and Miss Money in the Bank and everything that she's done in terms of um, also the Battle Royal at WrestleMania. It's just the fact that you're bragging about having two victories over Sasha Banks when you used your boy toy sommelier penis help to win. And it's just frustrating to me. Because you're so good, but you don't, but you always somehow or another have to insert a man into the picture whenever you can't win anything. And it's just like, ma'am, I know it's a part of her character and I know she's not like this in real life, but in my mind, as the character just, you know, I enjoy her character, but at the same time, it still gets on my nerves. Just the fact that you brag so much about how you don't have to work as hard, but the people who work the hardest are the ones who will never have their success questioned. And that's just how I feel about stuff like that. Like, if you work hard in this life and people know you work hard, then nobody will ever question your success. Meanwhile, everybody can sort of question Carmela's success because she's always had a dude tied to it. But let's move on. Um, (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I did not mean to get on that high horse, but that's just how I feel about stuff like that. So the show started with Roman Reigns coming out um, and giving respect to Kevin Owens for um, fighting with ambition because last week he injured him by dumping him off of the um, LED boards where the audience where the virtual audience can watch but he also went on to blame Adam Pierce the WWE official who's been in charge of both shows for Kevin Owens injuries due to him you know sanctioning the match between Kevin Owens and Jay Uso and then they showed a video package of what led to Kevin Owens getting injured so he ran down and talked all kinds of crap about Adam Pierce you know for putting an injured Owens in harm's way and then he made Adam Pierce come out there to face him so he can talk to him about it and he you know accused him of not showing him the respect that he's deserved by allowing him by not allowing him to pick his next challenger rather than waiting on a gauntlet match that was supposed to take place later on in the night and it was so sad because you saw that adam pierce had nothing but pure intentions right but Roman Reigns was just giving a masterclass in how to gaslight people because he kept talking about, you don't take my family seriously. What, you think I'm stupid or something? Did you call me stupid while I was back there? Or you think 
WWE officials are stupid? Or do you think Vince McMahon is stupid? And every time Adam Pearce tried to speak up for himself, he was never allowed to do that because he was just always, you know, talked down to by Roman Reigns, which was so abusive. And you had Jey Uso in the back, you know, walking back and forth like a guard dog. Like it was just, oof, it was just evil. It was weird, delicious and evil. Um, <laughs> and then um, he backed off, you know, but left Adam Pierce with a with a threat which basically gave off the impression that Adam Pierce might have been dead or might be dead by the end of the night. So it was just absolutely terrible. So um as it turns out for people who have been watching just WWE lately and was just introduced to Adam Pierce here on TV, just like I was, I found out a lot later once I found him on Facebook that he wasn't, he's a veteran independent wrestler and that he's a five time NWA world heavyweight champion. Um, and how, and just how he was just a really great wrestler in the independent circuit before he came to WWE and they told him that maybe he couldn't hack it. And then they let him become an official backstage. So a lot of people were wondering like if he's really going to be able to physically hold his own but judging from his past accomplishments on his resume he definitely can so we went on to the intercontinental championship match between big e and apollo cruz now this was a weird ending but then it wound up being made up for for the rest of it so Apollo Crews came after Big E from the outset and looked to be the better man throughout physically because Apollo Crews is looks he's a guy that looks like a heavyweight but can move and jump up and down and kick like a cruiserweight. But he threw around he threw around Big E with ease and then after a massive superplex, um they both locked legs for a double pinfall, calling the match to end in a draw because both of their shoulders were on the mat and then they rang the bell prematurely thinking that there was a winner and Apollo Cruz thought he won, but as it turns out, um the referee deduced that both of their shoulders were on the match, so he made the match continue. But Apollo Crews wasn't hearing that and he wasn't having that and he demanded the title and then slapped Big E in the face which convinced Big E to restart the match and it pissed him off and <laughs> and he got angry and then he went after Apollo Crews um, until he got caught with a knee to the face and then there was a spine buster and, fro and a frog splash that Apollo Crews hit on Big E um, but he refused to stay down and he kicked out of it. And then Big E battled back with force, wearing down his challenger with a stretch muffler um, submission and planted him with the big ending to retain his Intercontinental Championship. Now, the ending was, no, not the ending, but the beginning of the first part of the match was weird. But the rest of the match as it went forward was really good. And I'm really intrigued to see if Apollo Crews is going to keep this attitude Um and proceed to turn heel because we've never really seen a heel Apollo Crews. We've only seen him be peppy and smiley and all that other stuff. So I'm willing to see a heel Apollo. Um, so yeah, this was this was a really interesting match. And now we're gonna go to probably the saddest part of the show for me, which was the Street Profits versus Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, the Dirty Dogs, for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. So last week, um, the Street Profits got attacked during their fun little segment by the Dirty Dogs. 
and they worked on Montez Ford's leg and attacked him with a chair and kept hitting his leg with the chair over and over again. So this played a factor into that match. Um, Dolph Ziggler survived an early flurry from Montez Ford um, by going after his injured left leg and then Robert Roode wound up doing the same thing, which is an age old trick that they use in wrestling is to work on an injured body part. Um, and it's smart and effective, but it's evil. Either way, <laughs> then Montez still refused to slow down, hitting a somersault planche on, on the heels that clearly did some damage to his leg as he was struggling to stand up. But Angelo Dawkins, you know, realized that he was going to have to fight alone for a while as Montez was recovering. And <sighs> Dolph and Bobby were turning the match into a handicap beatdown, and it was so sad to see and then Montez Ford got the hot tag and then had to get physical rather than explosive like he normally does, which worked for a while and it included a discus lariat, almost reminiscent of Brody Lee. Then um, Dolph Ziggler planted Montez Ford with a face buster off the top rope to stop him in his tracks. And then Angelo made a crucial save, but then he could not get to the tag as Dolph Ziggler knocked the bigger man off the apron. And then... Montez Ford kicked out of a fisherman buster and then he was down for the count after a spine buster and zigzag combination from the two and they won the tag team titles and Angelo and as Angelo was trying to you know take care of Montez um the dirty dogs attacked them from behind and kicked them out of the ring and it was just kind of sad because the Street Profits has been very dominant for a while as the Raw Tag Team Champions and the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. And so to watch them lose was just kind of devastating for me. And it was just also devastating because the year of 2020 ended with all these black champions. And now the Street Profits have lost and now we have the Dirty Dogs as a tag team. And that irritates me because I'm just like, they've been a tag team for like almost... I almost want to say not even two years, but it just feels like it's been longer than one year. And I'm kind of ready for them to break up already. <laughs> but they're tag team champs now, so boo. Either way. Um, then we had the gauntlet match, which included Rey Mysterio, Sami Zayn, Nakamura, King Corbin, Daniel Bryan, and Adam Pearce. So... Adam Pierce talked to his new assistant, Sonya Deville, who came back last week, who questioned if the authority figure um, would enter himself into the gauntlet match after Reigns threatened him. And then Paul Heyman told Adam Pierce that he was in a gauntlet match after Roman Reigns pulled some strings. Um, and then Sami Zayn brought a special camera crew to film a documentary that exposed the conspiracy against him and all this other stuff you know he's just a per he was just always using the persecution complex that he always has all the time everybody's against him because i'm actually talented and blah 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 whatever he's a blowhard um then he stepped to the ring and immediately took a 619 into a splash to be the first eliminated by ray mysterio and then Shinsuke Nakamura came out and gave a really great performance, which was very surprising considering, you know, he had been, you know, tagging with Cesaro for like almost a year now. And now he's, you know, sort of broken off from that. And he had an amazing performance during his gauntlet match. I was rooting for him. He actually went on to make Rey Mysterio tap out to an arm bar. Then King Corbin, you know, attacked everyone on his way to the ring. And then he, and then he hit a sneak attack on Shinsuke. 
And then he used that edge to dominate Shinsuke Nakamura. But his opponent refused to quit even after the deep six finisher that King Corbin likes to use. And then he caught um, Corbin returning to the ring with a Kinshasa to the face in order to eliminate him, which I thought was a really cool spot because King Corbin does that thing where he slid out of the ring and then ran and slid back into the ring. And then Shinsuke caught him in the face with that kick. And I was like, yes, and he eliminated him. So then Daniel Bryan was the next to come out there and he knew he had an advantage to ground down Nakamura, who was in his third straight fight of the evening. And then a technical war between these guys, you know, ensued. And it was really good where Brian seemed to have the fight in the bag until Nakamura caught him running with the Kinshasa for a shocking elimination. And that really got me together because you have Daniel Bryan who has all this momentum going in and wanting to sort of prove himself worthy to possibly win this Royal Rumble, you know, going in. But he wound up losing to Shinsuke. And I'm just like, that's so good for Shinsuke because I always felt that Shinsuke was supposed to be WWE champion by now. But y'all but y'all know it didn't happen because they were all in the AJ Styles train at that WrestleMania that time. So whatever. Then Adam Pierce came out reluctantly with Roman Reigns, Jay Uso, and Paul Heyman encouraging him. But then Jay Uso and Roman Reigns walked towards the ring slowly, and then Jay Uso attached Shinsuke Nakamura with Roman Reigns. And then Reigns knocked out Adam Pierce and draped him over Shinsuke in order to win. So now Adam Pierce is the number one contender to the Universal Championship, and he's going to face Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. Who saw this coming and why is it so intriguing? <laughs> um, the two greatest parts about this entire show, this entire showing here was the fact that you had Shinsuke Nakamura showing more of what he had to offer as a singles competitor. And then you have this great story here showing Roman Reigns putting Adam Pierce in a situation where he knows he's going to either possibly win or possibly punish Adam Pierce for putting Kevin Owens and himself in that situation and making that match between Jey Uso and Kevin Owens last week. And it's just very, very dangerous. And a lot of people online were dissing it because they were just like, so now we have two sorry matches for the Royal Rumble. This is going to suck, blah, blah, blah. And I'm pretty sure all of those, WWE is going to make all of those people, you know, second guess what they said. Because Adam Pearce really is a veteran out here in these streets as a wrestler. Just because he's not wrestling on WWE does not mean that he did not have a previous wrestling career. And this is like the biggest break that maybe Adam Pierce is going to get at this point, you know, since he's been, you know, out of the indies for a while. So this is going to be interesting and he's going to be a good underdog for, you know, the head of the table to possibly defeat. But I hope that Adam Pierce puts in a really good fight because he's been one of my favorite characters over the past year. And I'm really excited for him. So now that's it for the recap, and now we're just going to go to the conclusion. Okay, so thank you for checking out this episode of The Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Per usual, if you want to follow me or for new listeners, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram at Hardy Wrestling Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Hardy WrestlePod. And you can listen to this podcast on the Anchor app on iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube on my YouTube channel, Hardy Wrestling Podcast, and on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts on different websites like Stitcher and stuff like that. So... 
Um, this is going to be a really good um, month in terms of wrestling leading up to the Royal Rumble and stuff like that. So let's just enjoy wrestling and let's, you know, learn from each other and not, you know, exclude one another from things and continue to be your very best self, you know, this weekend and this week and for this new year. There's been a lot going on and a lot of people are starting to think that maybe this year is going to start off, you know, bad because of outside stuff that's been going on outside of wrestling. But We're going to ignore that and continue to, you know, pound the pavement and be our best selves and work hard for our dreams and our goals here. So with that in mind, I hope you're taking care of yourself and I hope you're staying safe Um, and just, you know, being the light in the world because we need more light in this world that's trying to turn upside down and be full of darkness. So just do your best and be your best in all things. So. With that in mind, thank you for listening to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. And until next time, this is Stephanie Hardy saying bye, y'all.